Galatians 5, we're going to pick it up in verse 16 here at Flourishing Grace. We believe this is the word of God. It's a gift from his hands. Um, and so in honor and reverence to it, if you're able, would you stand with me as I read it for us this morning? Paul writes this to the church in Galatia. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can have a seat. Thanks, Josh. Good morning. Hey, my name is Benjer. If we haven't met, I'm one of the pastors here at uh, Flourishing Grace. Um, so as we jump in, um, I want you to think back a long time ago. Maybe uh, there's some kids here, you have, kids here that you don't have to think too far back. But when you were like in preschool, elementary age, I'm not talking like, you know, high school, junior high, but preschool, early elementary, what did you want to be? Like when you were a kid, kid, when you grew up. And somebody would say, hey, what do you want to be when you grew up? Think about that for a minute. For me, I was judged extremely in the last gathering, okay? So I'm hoping my friends are a little bit more in this gathering here. For me, I wanted to be a crossing guard. <laughs> Again, I feel extremely judged. Okay, see, think about it. I mean, this, is, this is not anything to do with this. My, my mom would not, like, she would roll through those stop signs. Like, like, that's how I learned to drive because that's how my mom drives. But when that crossing guard was in the middle with that stop sign, man, that's awesome. With the vest, the uniform, helping kids. I like it. Who wouldn't want to be a crossing guard? I also wanted a speed bump in my driveway for my birthday when I was, like, four years old. So, no friends in this room. No friends. Um, yeah, we ask this question a lot of kids. I mean, I've got five kids. Um, I, we, we talk about this from time to time. Sometimes as my kids have grown into junior hires, you know, the questions get a little bit more serious. But one thing I have noticed, just even as a parent, um, we, we kind of are, um, uh, you know, kind of taught to ask this question, especially with little kids. It's a great question to ask. What do you want to be when you grow up? Very rarely do we ask of kids. Very rarely do I ask of myself, because let's be honest, as adults, sometimes we don't know what we want to be when we grow up, right? Very rarely do we ask, who do you want to be when you grow up? 
Who is God growing you into being? Right? It's a little bit more deeper of a question, but it's one that we honestly avoid. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about that, so we'll hold that right there. But we have been in a series called The Spirit-Filled Life, and um, kind of the, the background of this series, listen, I know preachers are always saying this all the time, um, that if you missed last week, go back and listen to last week. But man, Josh, who is up here, he's our pastor of preaching and vision. Um, last week, he opened up this series. And, and all the questions around the Trinity, you know, God is one God, uh, one God uh, forever. But, but within that Godhead, there is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit um, coexisting, not separate gods, one God in three persons. Um, and he unpacked much of that last week. So if you're like, man, I got to start there. Last week is where you start. But we're going to jump in this week and begin to get really practical as we talk about who the Holy Spirit is and what it means that the Holy Spirit resides in us and and what it means uh, that the Holy Spirit is growing us, what he wants to do through us. And so we're going to begin to get extremely practical. And today we're going to be talking about how does the Holy Spirit grow us? Like, What is the Holy Spirit doing within us? And one really quick caveat, okay? What we're going to talk about today doesn't make any sense apart from from the cross of Christ and what Jesus did for us on the cross. Because, and again, we talked about this last week, Jesus, when, when he was, was with his disciples, when he was with his closest followers, um, he said, I'm going to die on the cross, I'm going to rise again from the dead, I'm going to ascend into heaven, and when I leave, it's actually better for you that I leave because I'm going to send a helper, the Holy Spirit, and, and he will reside in us. And so when we put our hope and our faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes up residence within us. It is not something that happens later, it's not something that we kind of earn later or a next step so that there's like, you know, different classes of Christians. It happens when we surrender our lives to Jesus and Jesus saves us through his work on the cross. The Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, takes up residence inside of us. This is a supernatural thing. This isn't just growing us like, man, let's, let's get a little bit better. No, this is something supernatural that God does within us. And apart from Jesus, it makes no sense. And so if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, in some ways you might get a pass today, right? Because I'm going to be speaking primarily to those who are followers of Jesus and the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in them. But I hope that if you are here and you're not a follower of Jesus, what you hear today, and I understand like, man, Holy Spirit, how does this work? This is going to get kind of weird. What I hope you see and what I hope you hear is, is, is this good news that Jesus doesn't just desire to save you. He does. But, but, but by God's grace, we are saved. But God's grace... Jesus and the Holy Spirit grows us. God wants to do something in us incredible. And, and so I hope you'll see a little bit about that today. Does that make sense? All right. As we dive in, we're going to get to that Galatians passage in just a moment. But really quick, we're going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul wrote this letter to Galatia. He also wrote um, letters to Corinth. He actually wrote three, probably. We have two of them um, within our Bible, First and Second Corinthians. And um, it's going to be up here on the screen, but you can flip there if you want to as well. Uh, Paul says this, and this is kind of going to be like our headline text for today. Um, kind of like the big idea before we dive in and get really practical. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 17, Paul says this. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit is, the Lord is, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now already, this is like kind of dense language that Paul is using, and what he's getting at is kind of what Josh talked about last week in terms of there is one God, 
Three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And, and just like Josh said today, Paul, Paul knew for his listeners, man, we, we can have this concept of God, the Father, we understand that, God, the Son, Jesus. Like, I've watched The Chosen, so, you know, I kind of get this idea of Jesus. But what does the Spirit do in our life? And Paul uses this dense language. Man, this is one God where the Lord is. Paul is referring specifically to Jesus. It's his title for Jesus. And so he says, so, so this, the Lord is the Spirit, right? There's this, this coexistence. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's also this separation. There is freedom. Paul's going to be talking about, well, what, is, what does it look like? And what is the Holy Spirit doing in our life? And this is specifically what he talks about, verse 18. And we all, with unveiled face, Beholding the glory of the Lord, meaning Jesus, are transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. In other words, we just kind of headline today, what is the Holy Spirit doing within us as he's producing this fruit that we're going to be talking about? It is to conform us into the image of Jesus. Like It's not just, man, how, do we, how do we grow? Who are we becoming? It is to transform us into the image of Jesus. Not that we would become divine, not that we would like be Jesus, but the qualities that, that, that are Jesus, love, and all these things that we're going to see in the fruit of the Spirit. And we had learned to love like Jesus. We had learned to treat others as Jesus does, which is a supernatural thing that God does in our life. The Holy Spirit helps us become more like Jesus. Now, as you jump into Galatians, um, what you need to know is we're kind of coming into the, like, the second third of the movie, maybe the, the very end of the movie. Paul has spent a lot of time in this letter um, talking about this idea that it is Jesus alone that saves us, that it is work on the cross apart from anything we can do on our own. But the problem is in Galatia, some, some people have come in after people have accepted Jesus. Yes, I'm saved by grace alone because of what Jesus does on the cross. And they said, no, 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 no. Um, there's still this... Old Testament law that we have to follow. Yeah, maybe Jesus saves us, but we also have got to do this. And if we don't, we're not really still in God's good graces. Uh, All these things, you still have to do these things or you're not really a follower of Jesus. And Paul is fighting against this full tilt. No, 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 no. It is by grace alone, which means it is a gift. Not by, there's nothing we can do to earn this. It is Jesus who has done it on our behalf. We just simply accept this gift. And so Paul says, um, even submitting again, trying to um, submit to the law, saying, I can gain more access to Jesus. I can gain more access to God because of what I do. Paul says, no, that's false. We don't gain access to God because of what we do. We have access to God because of what Jesus has done for us. But then this kind of begs the question, and this is where we're going today. So if we set aside this law, like this, this mosaic law, this isn't just a few suggestions for good living. This is 600 plus rules and laws for how to live our daily lives step by step. What do I do when I touch a dead body? What happens if I accidentally kill my neighbor's donkey? Like, you ever kill your neighbor's donkey? Yeah, there's a, there's a, this, is, this is what we need. This is what we need. What do we do? How do I live my step each step of the way? Every day I've got these rules and I'm going to follow these rules. How do I know what to do without it? This passage is Paul's answer to that. He says in verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We're going to walk by the Spirit. The Spirit is going to be our guide. And Paul's going to unpack this a little bit more as we go. So there's a few things. Josh read the passage for us, but we're going to go through a few things here. um, And then we're going to get extremely practical. So there's three things I want you to see. The first one is this. As as God grows us, we don't naturally gravitate towards maturing into the image of Jesus. 
Like this is, this is not something we naturally do. And in a few minutes, we're going to talk about this fruit. Like that fruit isn't something that just like naturally happens within us. We don't just wake up and we accidentally love somebody completely self-sacrificially, give away half of our money because they really need it. I don't know, I don't know about you, but me as a parent, like if, if I parented based on my instincts all the time, that would not be a good thing. In fact, my kids are in this room. When I do that, it's a bad thing. Right? Few, um, uh, last semester, I spoke at our student ministry midweek uh, worship gathering. We were talking about anger, and, and, and Josh, who's, uh, we had a lot of Joshes around here, if you knew. I'm sorry. Um, uh, Josh, who's our student minister, uh, as, as he's introduced me, I'm, I'm talking about anger, and he says, hey, has anybody here actually seen Benger angry? Two hands on the front row over here went up, and, and they are my junior hires, okay? Yeah. On my own... I don't naturally gravitate towards this on my own, and I, I mess this up. And Paul talks about what this means. When he uses this word flesh, he's not talking about just like kind of what I want to do. This is like the core of our sinful desire. This is Benger completely unhinged from, from God and his goodness in my life. Paul keeps on saying this. He says, for the desires of the flesh, the things that just naturally do, that natural, just the, the sinful part of me, are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, and these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now, something I want to point out here, this, is, this, this has got to be clear. Paul says that the spirit is opposed to the flesh. First of all, this is not an even fight. As Paul unpacks this, he's not saying, I don't know who's going to win. It's not like I'm cronk with like one, one good angel on the, this side of my shoulder. Anybody? Yeah? Emperor's, okay, some of you are with me. If not, too bad. You're missing out. All right, got an angel over here. Got a devil on the shoulder. And who's going to win? No, no, no. Paul says the spirit will win every time if the spirit resides in you. This doesn't mean that we are perfect. It just means this is not a fair fight. The second thing I want to point out is this is the spirit... The Holy Spirit in us fighting this battle. This is not try a little harder to do a little better. This is not meant today, if I could just get up enough like, uh, desire, if this is, if I could just try harder. This is the Spirit living inside of us. And Paul says, it is the Spirit inside you fighting this battle. Then we've got to move on, but, but he says, but if you, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. He said, just so we're clear, this is not something where, okay, if I find the right rules, if I find the right laws, if I find the right system of religion, then maybe I'll be a good enough person. No, 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 no. We leave that aside. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not, again, under the yoke of slavery of a law. You are not trying to gain access to God. And by the way, that is not a fight you can win. If I do this, maybe God will love me. If I do this, maybe God will make good things happen. No, 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 no. If you are led by the Spirit, it is the Spirit residing in you, which I know is weird. Like we don't, we don't think about this. Last week, man, one thing I've been convicted about the message from last week is Josh said, how many times do we walk out our front door and not consider what the Spirit is doing in our life and how the Spirit is leading? Man, I do that all the time. Now, just so Paul, Paul says, just so we're clear, let me tell you what this looks like. Now, the works of the flesh, right, that the things that, that we drive into the ditch, the things that we naturally do, this is where it ends up. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of angers, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. That's kind of an awkward list. 
Can we hear something might make you feel uncomfortable? This is Benjamin McVeigh. When I am in the driver's seat of my life and I say, I, I have no need for God, this is us unhinged from the grace of God. And we get a little uncomfortable because, Paul, why are, you, why are you sticking your nose in my life and, and what I'm doing? Yeah, maybe we shouldn't do these things, but why do you got to be so judgmental? No, 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 what Paul is saying is, listen, apart from the Spirit of God in our life, this is where we end up. Listen, nobody at the end of their life, as a pastor, uh, I've, I've been to a lot of funerals, I've done a lot of funerals. Nobody, don't tell me I'm not the only one to do this. When I sit in the funeral, you ever think about what people would say about you if it was you up there in that coffin? Nobody imagines people listing these things. Man, I just hope at my funeral this is what my kids say about me. Nobody thinks that. They, they want the fruit. Man, I hope, I hope people say, man, he was, he was loving, he was patient, he was gentle, he was generous. None of us want to end up here. And Paul says, listen, this is where it ends. If we do not yield to the Spirit, if we do not surrender our lives to Jesus and the Spirit is living inside of us, this is where that ends. And he says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I want to be very clear. I'm going to spend more time on this than I probably want to. But listen, this, this sentence, this verse has been misused. Say, oh, I see this list. You've got that in your life, and you've got that in your life. So you must not really be a follower of Jesus. You must not be a Christian. No, no, no. What Paul is talking about, he's not talking about two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. I'm a recovering alcoholic. The time between when I gave my life to Jesus and when I took my last drink of alcohol was over two years. I took that long because I'm an idiot. Okay, let's be honest. Like, there's, there's some things that should have happened there. But what Paul's talking about, he's not talking about this struggle, like two steps forward, one step back, and I'm fighting against this, and God, would you help me? No, 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 no. What he's talking about is somebody who might raise their hand and say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. And five years later, 10 years later, 20 years later, you look at the trajectory of their life, there is no fruit. There is no spirit-led, spirit filled supernatural fruit. The list here is what most reminds you of their life. So I don't want you to be here and think, oh, maybe I'm doing this and therefore I'm not safe. No, 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 that's not, that's not what Paul is getting at. This is a warning. This is a warning because when God saves us, he doesn't save us just from our sin, but he transforms us. And this is something that has to happen. Not anything that we earn got to be very, very clear. It is something the Spirit will do within us. And he says, listen, if that is not happening, not if you're perfect, not if you don't fall in this sin, we, we, we can't cherry pick sins and say, well, that one's bad. No, 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 no. If over years and even decades, this isn't growing in your life, have you truly surrendered your life to Jesus? Does that make sense? All right. Maybe not, but we're moving on anyways, okay? Second thing I want us to see the Holy Spirit is at work in you growing fruit. I, and I want to be very, very clear. I don't think I was, I, I don't think it was as clear as I should have been. Um, this is not, I mean, I'm getting better. This is not, oh, I'm a little bit better, a little bit better of a dad, a little bit better of a boss, like a little bit more patient. No, this is supernatural fruit growing in your life. The things that like you look at your life and you have an interaction and, and maybe you've yielded to Jesus and you've yielded to the Holy Spirit and you come up upon an interaction and you know that this is like one of the things that just like tips you off. And, and, and when you're about to like lean in and really all of a sudden forgiveness comes out of your mouth. 
Or there's, there's a relationship, and, and time and time again, you have fought against this person because, man, maybe they have hurt you. Maybe you've been wounded. And all of a sudden, one day, you realize, and God has released that. And where there was bitterness before, there is forgiveness because you've pursued that. This is something God does within us. Listen to what Paul says here, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, right, what the Spirit is growing inside, love, this is supernatural love, agape, self-sacrificial love. I don't do this naturally. This isn't I was nice to my kids when they forgot to clean up their room. No, this is self-sacrificial love. Joy, not just happiness, but delight in Jesus, delight in God in all circumstances, even when the only thing that we have to delight in is God because our circumstances are so terrible. Peace. Patience, not just with people, but in difficult trials. Kindness, not just I'm nice to you, give a nice tip, but just in every interaction, just being kind, self-sacrificial love is coming out. Goodness, generosity. I'm not talking about like, man, I'm going to help you out a little bit, but just I'm going to give of myself in order so that you might have something. Faithfulness, trustworthiness, loyalty, gentleness, approaching conflict, difficult situations with, with, with love and understanding and forgiveness. Again, this is, this is supernatural. This is something God grows in. This isn't just, man, I've, I've learned how to deal conflict with conflict well. This is forgiveness when before there was bitterness and self-control, the only thing dealing with ourselves, because Paul knows through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, when Benjamin McVeigh gets to a situation and it is difficult, in my first reaction is not good. So self-control. Now, how, do, how does the Spirit uh, kind of rein in my own desires and grow these things within me? And Paul says, again, such thing there is no law. He says, if you're so concerned about this moral law, let me tell you this. You're going to flip through the whole Hebrew Bible. There's no law against this. Kind of making a joke here. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. Now, here's the thing. A lot of times when we talk about the Holy Spirit, what we think of is, is, is are these gifts. I mean, what is the Holy Spirit going to do through me? Maybe, maybe I get these gifts of, of, of teaching or get to be a leader. Or maybe God's going to have one of these gifts that are like sign gifts. And maybe God's going to do something huge and amazing. Listen, God wants to do something incredible through you. But none of us want to start here. Listen. You want to be a better parent? Ask God to supernaturally grow these things inside you. I love parenting books. I'm reading two, which makes me feel like a terrible parent. All right? Again, my kids are here. I need to, to apologize to my oldest because I'm like, man, I've done it wrong for 14 years. All right, now I'm finally. I get that. That's a good thing. But 99% of my battle is asking God to grow these things in me, asking the Holy Spirit that resides in me to grow these things in me. It is God that wants to grow this in you. Last thing I want you to see. The first step to growing is surrender. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. 
Now this, this word Paul is saying, all right, if we live by the Spirit, all right, if, we've, if we've raised our hand and said, I'm a follower of Jesus, the Spirit resides in me. He says, okay, let the Spirit lead you. This word walk, it's kind of the same word if we look at it. Man, it sounds pretty much the same that Paul said in, in verse 16 up here, walk by the Spirit. But actually, this word um, is actually two words translated into the same word. In your version, if you don't have the ESV, it might say something like keep in step with the Spirit. The idea of this word walk isn't just like, hey, we're out for a stroll. This is whatever the Spirit does, and I'm taking the same step. Because the Spirit is leading me each step of the way. And all we have to do is surrender. I've got this friend um, named Eric. Um, Eric is like just this incredible, just like always in shape, hiker, backpacker kind of guy. He, he was in special forces in the army before he retired, and like he loves to go anywhere. Um, he's right now training to run up King's Peak, the highest peak in Utah, for his birthday. Run! All right, Pastor Josh is not in this one, but, but, but listen, um, Josh is, is training in this whole hiking thing to climb to walk up Grand Teton. Listen, that's cute, to walk up a mountain, but Eric is getting ready to run up the most difficult peak to bag in the state of Utah. Now, sometimes he lets me tag along and I don't die. It's very nice. Um, but when we're hiking somewhere, if you know me and I go anywhere, like I, I've, got, I've got the apps out. Um, we're going on a trip coming up this week. Um, Jennifer's already got the, the notes um, on our iOS app, we're sharing those. Man, I want to know where we're going. I want to know what time. I want to know where we're stopping for the bathroom. Like, I am a planner. Uh, you can pray for my wife, all right? Because usually they're not good plans. That's the other thing. If I was a good planner, maybe it would be great. But I'm just a bad planner. But I love to plan. But when Eric invites me, I know better. He just picks me up in his forerunner because usually we need that truck to go wherever we're going off-road to to get to a trailhead. I don't download an app. I don't plan where we're going. If I bring anything to the table, it's McDonald's. Like, that is it. I don't even drive there. Because it would be ridiculous for me to bring it to, hey, listen, Special Forces guy, you've been all I got an idea. It'd It'd be foolish. It would be a bad idea, first of all. Second of all, man, I just got to follow him. I just got to surrender to his lead and, and, and just follow him. I, I can't just sit back and watch Netflix. I, I, I've got to get in the truck. I've got to go. And that's what it's like to keep in step with the Spirit. We might think, okay, God is growing these things in me. I just got to sit back, hold the remote, maybe next episode. No, 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 no. The first step is surrender. It is for me to take myself off the throne of my life say, Jesus is king, and he has given me this Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me. And he's not just offering suggestions. Like, he's going to live inside me. This is where all illustrations break down. No, the Holy Spirit is taking over, and I just yield, and he grows these things in me. And and in order for this to happen, I need to follow his lead each step of the way. Not to earn anything, but because he knows better than I do. The first step is surrender. If you're like me, it's the hardest step. Like, honestly. Honestly. Now, like I said, I want to get really practical. So here's what I want um, to do in the remainder of our time. Um, This week, preferably today, I'd love for you to get alone with God. And again, as Josh said, man, we got this concept for for God the Father. We got this, you know, even if like, man, I didn't, I grew up without a dad. Maybe that's your story, or maybe it's a a difficult relationship. But we still have kind of a category for Father. We have a category for Jesus, the Son, the Messiah. We understand that. What is is the Spirit doing? And so what I want you to do is I want you to, you may have never done this, invite the Spirit into a time of just reflection 
and prayer. And, and there's three statements and questions that I want to gather. So take a picture of the screen as they come up. Uh, write these down in your notes. But these are questions I want you to ask. Um, first one is this. Where am I blind to my own sin? Now, there's two ways to be blind. Where am I blind to my own sin? There's one way to be blind. Um, one of my favorite authors um, is, is an author and pastor, Max Lucado, uh, who lives in San Antonio. And um, he tells a story about uh, there's always traffic in, in his city. And so he tells a story about trying to um, navigate around that. And one day he sees a shortcut going down an alleyway. And he realizes, he kind of gets closer, yeah, it'll fit a car. Like, clearly there's supposed to be traffic down here. And he runs down it, uh, and he drives down it, and then comes out of the traffic, takes a left. And man, he cuts off like five or six minutes out of all this traffic. He's pretty smug about this. So he keeps doing that, and then one day his wife is in the car. And they're encountering traffic. So he gets that husband look like, oh man, you're going to be so impressed with me. Just check this out, okay? Goes down the alleyway, comes out, shaves five, ten minutes off their drive. He is just like, yeah. She says, didn't you see the sign? What sign? There's a one-way sign pointing the opposite direction. Sometimes that's how we're blind. We just don't know. Don't know. This is where we ask the Holy Spirit, show me. Not just in prayer, but also in his word. We might read something, and we might think, man, we are, we are just the best husband, the best father. I'm handling these things. And then we, we realize, the Holy Spirit has shown me, I am not patient. I am not gentle. Show me where I am not. Another way to be blind this is way. Uh, in our house, we've got this playroom on the top floor. I love the playroom. It's great. Um, this might sound weird because if you've seen my office, I can be really cluttered, but nothing drives me more crazy than the playroom, like all the toys dumped out. Anybody? And we got five kids, which, which means it looks like 25 kids have played. I don't know how that works, but they like multiply each time. And so the kids usually do a great job before dinner cleaning up, but sometimes we just don't get to it. We're hanging out at Cherry Hill, whatever, just don't get to it. And it drives me nuts, so at the end of the night, when I go up the stairs, my bedrooms, uh, our bedroom's to the left, but the playroom's to the right, and it's open, like you can see it. So what I have to do is walk up the stairs looking this way so, so I can go to sleep. Sometimes that's how we're blind to our own sin. Ah, there's nothing over there, God. No, don't look over there. Sometimes this is where our path groups come in. Path groups here at Flourishing Grace are discipleship groups or small groups of people from three to five guys, three to five women. And the idea is that we are learning. We're not just studying things. We're learning to, to follow Jesus together. And sometimes it takes somebody else to point these out. And so we have to be open to other people, um, especially our spouse. Spouses are great at this, right? Even ask your kids. Every now and again, I will ask uh, my kids, man, where, where can I be a better dad? That is a humbling question to ask because they will tell you. Where am I blind to my own sin? Second question. Where am I blind to myself? This is a dangerous one. This is a dangerous one. This is a little bit different. Yeah, we can be self, have, have self-deception according to our sin. Like, I don't see that sin. But, but sometimes we're just blind to our own self. We might think, man, yeah, there's Jesus in our priorities at the top of the list and then there's everything else. And really, those around us can say, man, you do love you love your job. And you might say, no, 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 I'm providing for my family. I've got to work 60 hours a week because that's the only way to get ahead. And then one day, maybe, listen, sometimes there are seasons like that, but it might be that somebody else in your life can show you and invite the Holy Spirit into those conversations. And where, where am I deceiving myself? And Jesus is not my greatest treasure. Where is that? Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. And, and, and ask the Holy Spirit to use others. And again, this is where a reading plan comes in. 
right? A reading plan. I mean, it's not to like, man, be a better person and, and maybe you, you know more about God. I mean, sometimes you can learn more about God, but really what it means is inviting, the God, inviting God, inviting the Holy Spirit through the word of God to reveal things about yourself that you can't see. Last thing. Invite the Holy Spirit to help you delight in God. Holy Spirit, would you help me delight in God? This might seem a little off, but I, I want to make this very clear. And, 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 and if this is a repeating thing, I'm sorry. But listen, this is not, I'm going to ask these questions and I'm going to get after it. And I'm going to create a list and I, I'm going to have all these things around me and I'm going to get after it and I'm just going to be better. I promise tomorrow I'll be better. No, 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 no. This is the Holy Spirit growing these things inside you. And if it is the Holy Spirit, then a relationship with God where we delight in God above anything else. One of the questions in, in the Westminster Catechism is, is, what is the chief end of man? Which is a fancy way of saying, why are we here? What's the purpose of life? And the answer that it gives is to enjoy God and glorify him forever. Or glorify God and enjoy him forever. Our first delight is God. And if we're going to invite the Holy Spirit into our lives to do this, we've got delight in God. Fill me with your joy. Not, again, not happiness, but help me to have joy in you. If we don't delight in God, we're not going to give rain for the Holy Spirit in our life to grow these things. Listen, imagine if this is something that we really take seriously, which is hard. Because again, as a parent, when I think about, man, how do, we, how do I approach the situation? How can I do this? But no, no, no. Holy Spirit, help me to grow these, would, would you grow these things in my life? It's not even me. Imagine if these are things that we pursued. Again, not something to get after, but we just say, this is what I want in my life. Holy Spirit, would you do this? I want to love better. Not just, not just like kind of love and be a little bit more romantic and remember flowers, but like self-sacrificial, supernatural love that I can't produce, I can't muster up in my own life. Would you do this in me? Imagine if we are the kind of church family where this is something that we pursued. I mean, honestly, if we're honest, then maybe you can say an amen if you're not a follower of Jesus. There's just people who sometimes walk into churches and none of this exists. It doesn't matter how good the preaching is. It doesn't matter how good the music is. It doesn't matter how good VBS is, the Bible Adventure Camp. It doesn't matter. If we are not yielding to the Spirit, yielding to what God is doing in our life, the next week makes no sense. Next week when we talk about what is God doing through us, how does the Holy Spirit empower us and gift us for the works of ministry? How, how, how does God use us through the Holy Spirit? None of that makes any sense without this first. Would we be the kind of people that pursues this? That's hard because there's no list. It's day by day, difficult work, humbling work to say, Holy Spirit, would you show me where I do not have these fruits and would you grow them in me? I yield my life to you. May we be that kind of people. Let me pray for us. God, as I stand here, um, you know all the ways that I do not live lined up with what I have just said. So I, I am the first to confess um, that I am blind to my sin and I am, I am self-deceptive. 
And so, Father, would you, through your Holy Spirit, which resides in me and in all of us, would you help us be the kind of people that pursues this supernatural fruit? Not because we think we are better, not because we can even get after it, but because we desire the things of God. We desire to be more like Jesus. We desire to ask, who is God growing me to become more than who am I going to be when I grow up? So, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you live in us? Would you reside in us? And would we, not because of anything that we have done, but because of what you have done in our lives, and what you are growing in our lives, would we day by day conform more and more into the image of Jesus for the sake, not just of ourselves, but for the glory of Jesus' name and for all those in our lives and in these communities who don't yet know the matchless name of Jesus. We pray these things in his name. But all the people said,